my Tinder date, who I went on a walk with on Monday, yeah, showed me a picture of his um, dig homemade pizza oven that he built, and then wrote to me this morning because I last night I said I like wow I'm impressed I love both pizza and fire, and then this morning. Sam, I'm actually looking for input here. Mm. He said, but how do you feel about smoke in your eyes, also clothes and hair? And I said, indifferent. And then just now. <laughs> indifferent. <laughs> yeah. You cold bitch. And then, well, it's no, not really. It's sort of, it's sort of apt for our interaction. And then, and then to just now he wrote, a strong position, exclamation mark. I like smoke, but bed sheets don't. Right. What do you think that means? I like smoke, but bed sheets don't. Do you know what I think that means? Mm. That he's nervous and he's put together a shit sentence. He's lost his voice. But what do you think it means that he's mentioned bed sheets? No, it's like a tortured metaphor or a tortured analogy and he's just like clambering. He's like, make it flirty, make it. About the smoke, because you don't want to go completely off topic. He's been fucking thinking about it for how many well, what hours? What do you think he wanted it to mean? Mean? No, he's avoidant. He's not thinking about it for hours. He takes a while for him to message. I can't speculate about what he wanted it to mean, but I think he just wants it to mean that... Um, I'm thinking about bedsheets? Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's a sexy time. Look at the sexy time we're having on the internet. No, we went for a walk on Monday. I know, but... At this moment, oh, right, at yeah. this moment, the sexy time is being had on the internet. Mm. I'll tell you all about this date later on. His parents are Holocaust deniers. Really? Mm. What, um, how has that affected him? He seems to have um, maintained an even keel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, uh, he seems like his his. I, I told him, we talked about it. I was like, to be honest, I, I really don't know how I would go interacting with your parents. And well, you guys are already talking about interacting with each other's parents. Well, I have to if I'm on a date with someone who tells me that his Well, he brought that up. He told me. Earlier in a text before we met, mm. he told, he'd mentioned his conspiracy theorist parents and then I'd queried in text. I was like, wow, whoa, conspiracy theorist parents what do you mean and he was like oh yeah they're cooked oh, don't worry he about saw it. your hair and he was like she's jewish no he thought i was egyptian actually fickle yeah yeah and then um or like i think he thought i was greek he's half greek i was like no but plenty of greeks Another think that call. yeah and then he was like and then i think he was like somewhere around the mediterranean i was like not even but good call that's what everyone says and he was like egyptian are you egyptian and i said no um <laughs> And I said, no one ever guesses Polish Jew. And he said, that was my next guess. <laughs> but you, you don't think you're Mediterranean? You think you've got no Semite in you? Of course I do. Because I know like um, those of us who are Ashkenazis from the area of Poland, Germany, Lithuania, etc., um, have a lot of non-Semite in us as well yeah. from um, assimilation of various kinds yes. and from the, the massive conversion of... The um, Khazarian Kingdom in about 1000 AD. You know What's that, the right? Khazarian Kingdom? There's a small kingdom in between Byzantium, well, just like nor- north of and in between Byzantium and the Caliphate. And um, in what or- were those areas then? What What are they now? The well, now they're, now they're Turkey and like um, 
the Middle East or parts of the Middle East, like Persia and okay. adjacent areas. So, like the Near East and the Middle East in old, old yeah, world essentially language. between the the Orthodox Christian Roman Empire and between the relatively new Muslim Caliphate, and then there was these pagan Khazars, and they were being um, oh. tr- the the two major like monotheistic empires on either side of them were trying to convert them to their religion so that they'd essentially have an ally because they were the Khazars were sort of the third power and in the end as a purely political move and like quite a wise one it turns out uh the Khazars just converted to Judaism so they they couldn't be converted to either um Islam or Christianity and then for a very long time they sort of held the balance of power in that little area of the world why were pagans convertible and Jews weren't um, because they're all different versions of monotheism, I guess. I mean, that's that question is. Right. I, can't, I can't give you so more than a speculative answer. Became on that a more one. familiar other. Something like that. Yeah, yeah I guess so. They, colon- they they colonized themselves. Mm. Um, and I love how becoming Jewish was far more palatable than. Than just staying both, what they were. Well, but then staying what they were and being in well, an existential threat. I or think being Christian or. Muslim. I think the thing is that um, because the Khazars were Eurasian steppe horse people, um, similar to the Mongols, similar to the Turks before they settled in Anatolia, similar to um, the Scythians and the Persians before they settled in the area we now know as Persia, they come from like this vast sea of peoples that don't have any particular... I mean, they, there were lots of different beliefs and lots of different cults, but I don't think there was any like uh, religion that was as unifying and systematised mm. as the monotheistic religions. Of course. And so I think that... Um, uh, although I actually haven't read this, but I, let, let's say I want to speculate that maybe it was sort of a... It was like a... Um, a political technology being used by the the Kagan, the king of the Khazarian Empire, because he wanted to unify his people under um, one of these newfangled religions. And also I think that he wanted to do business with Jews. What year? 1000. AD? Mm. Newfangled? Yeah. Newfangled than paganism. Oh, right. Hmm. Judaism being a newfangled religion relative to paganism. Relative to like the animism that I think. It's very interesting. I don't know that history. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that there was a point. There was a point in time where the majority of Jews in the world were these Khazarian converts and weren't people of the majority Semitic stock. Yeah. Uh, and then the Semites all went through northern Africa and ended up in Spain, and they're the Sephardis, and then the Khazaras mm. spread through Europe, and then there's a you know, admixture of Semites. I mean, I, I and clearly Khazar. have Mediterranean in me. Yeah. Yeah. You like a little bit of Mediterranean in you? Well, but I mean, it makes sense, right? If Jews come from from that area of the Middle East, then I've got Mediterranean in me. Well, I guess the point is that not all Jews do because there was this massive conversion of Northern Europeans. Right. I I see what you're saying. So, like, the idea is that there are populations that converted later on that perhaps didn't come from the tribes of Israel. Yeah. I see. Yeah. 
Now let's bring this back to Love Island. So, who are the Jews on Love Island? (laughs) (laughs) And do you think that they are Semitic or Khazar? (laughs) And if we felt their scalps, what bumps would we find? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Um, I don't know. Who's Who's the the Jewiest housemate? Vila mate. Olivia? I do relate to her the most. Yeah. She's sort of like the most sort of mama-ish. Oh. You know, no, like Sophie's she's like more mama than her. Different kind. Like Olivia's like really Olivia's down a to bro. earth. And a bit of a bro. Mm. Yeah. Sophie's a bit of a mama hen, but she, she's got a real waspy way. Is Nathan a bit Jewish? Yes. He is. He is. <laughs> Nathan and Kara together are a bit Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. They love each other, but they bicker, but it's it's, it's underlined with love. It's yeah. funny. They still want to fuck all the time. That's quite mm. Jewish. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, should we call our first... Um, yes. Should we call our first people? So, um, Sam and I decided last week that we would watch episode 22 but would like some friends to have the opportunity to take part in conversation with us. We thought maybe we would ask some friends of the pod to watch episode 22 alongside us for us to then call them during the pod to have a little chat Mm -hmm. and collate their reflections on it. So I would say that maybe... Almost all of the people we might call tonight have not watched 21 episodes prior to 22. They've all watched varying amounts <laughs> yeah. and they've all listened to the podcast varying amounts. They've all listened to the podcast more than uh, they've watched the show. Yeah, yes, possibly. <laughs> there, there are some people we're calling who have not watched prior to no, you're right. Maybe they watched episode one and then they watched episode 22 and then we're going to ask them for their in-depth feedback. Yes. I mean, I'm more interested in people watching only one episode and then just then we can um, we can um, harvest their naive opinions. Yeah. I think so it's important. I would, I would encourage listeners to listen to watch episode 22 ahead of this episode. Yeah, if you uh, want, pause yeah. and watch episode 22 and play along. Yeah. Island for you, man. You That's not okay. <laughs> We're really I'm not sorry. Okay. I'm never going to be okay again. <laughs> oh, 
no, no. Okay, let me introduce you both. Um, so uh, we've just we've just told the listeners what we're, what what we're playing at tonight, and then we've called you first. Uh, on the line we have Evelyn Araluen. She's a Bunjalung poet, a researcher, and an educator, and the co-editor of Overland Literary Journal. Uh, and she's got a book on Australian kitsch culture coming out early next year. Who's that with? Are you allowed to say? University of Queensland Press. Right. Uh, and what's it called? It's called Drop Bear, uh, which is a very <laughs> legit title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, you know, we have a lot of listeners that aren't from Australia. Can you tell them what a drop bear is? Uh, so a drop bear is really our most significant biohazard. Uh, <laughs> when, when arriving in Australia, uh, you should be immediately given any form of sort of protective pack, uh, depending on which terrain you will be uh, moving through uh, in order to prevent, you know, the risk of any drop bear attack. Uh, imagine a koala, if you will, uh, with fangs. Mm. Um, yep. and in fact, that's just the whole, vampiric uh, koala. yeah, vampiric mm. koala. Um, they they also, can fall from a great height, can't they? I mean, it doesn't need yeah, to be something uh, close not, and overhanging. Yeah. Uh, that's the name drop bear. Um, it is a bear that drops upon you and a uh, few live to tell the tale. Uh, and that's, uh, all I, all mm. I will say on the matter as far as <laughs> our international audience is concerned. <laughs> it's terrifying uh, and, and real. Yep. Yeah, and I think they appreciate the warning. So, um, after mm. the pandemic, you need to bring your helmets with you. And, um, mm-hmm. you're there with, uh, Jonathan Dunk, who is himself an award-winning poet, an essayist and a lecturer working at Deakin University and also co-editor of the Overland Literary Journal. Um, hello, hello. And in Love Island terms, you two are coupled up. <laughs> we are, I believe, coupled up, but, uh, you know... Well, we're, we're hoping to get the money. We're, we're looking for the money. We're looking to survive the eventual elimination process that seems to occur when the TV producers hospitalise your family members. Mm-hmm. Um, with a really brutal system they've employed there, um, mm. we hope that we don't lose our loved ones in yeah. the process of coupling up. Oh. It's funny because this is the only episode you've watched. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, right. we, yep. we feel like we understand it really well and <laughs> we have a great respect for the form. Uh, in fact, it's it's taught us a few things about how we should structure our own relationship. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't yell enough. Uh, is what I've learned from this. I'm I'm not yelling enough. Well, yeah, uh, I don't think being more of a Katie, Katie is the lesson you're supposed to take from tonight's episode. Listen, I don't know how the series ends up, but I feel like if she doesn't win, she takes everyone down with her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> including Zara's yeah. mother. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That was yeah. her. That was straight up yeah. her. It's going to be an interesting kind of winning if she does it. <laughs> let's say. Uh-huh. Um, the, the emotional victory. Yeah. Well, wh- okay. Well, what else struck you? Is, it, is so, she a victor? Who? Katie? Yeah. Oh, I look. I From think tonight's episode. I think they asked if they're a victor, not a victim. Oh, victor. Okay. Well, I mean, that's. They're all victims. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. We've. Listen, I've. And this is my favorite of all reality TV shows filmed in an Ikea showroom that I've ever watched. <laughs> there um, are a lot. Yeah, and it's a wonder that they managed to fit 
all of them in to the same showroom. But, um, you know, I'm going to go buy some furniture as a result of this, <laughs> um, some lifeless shit. Uh, also, I feel like this show could have benefited from some subtitles because um, the Queen's English is bullshit and I understood almost nothing of what any of these people said. <laughs> so, wait, wait, Evelyn, are you, are you saying that they're not speaking the Queen's English and you are, or vice versa, or no one is? Oh, I mean, you know, I speak the tongue of the coloniser better than the coloniser. I, <laughs> I agree. I like to say here. Yeah, there was some class. There was some class things going on there in this episode there was, where, there was. where Scott's new date. What is her Tina. name? Tina. Tina couldn't understand a word he was saying. And he was saying, butter will melt in your mouth. Butter, and she was like, butter with a melon. <laughs> butter with a melon. <laughs> they go yeah, well together. Butter, melon. It's a beautiful, I mean, the closest thing to a proper meal that I'm sure they get in that house. Um, <laughs> Actually, their kitchen. They get toasties as well. Oh, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, there, there was there, a few episodes ago we had a big fight over a toasty. <laughs> In the house. How, how's that going for you guys? No, um, not not between us. Although we fought over our fair share of toasties, we have, yeah, but not us. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm referring to them. So wait, so mm. I mean, who are your favourites and least favourites from what you saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, on balance, um, they're all uh, insane. But look, can you have an integrity and a commitment to her own? particular brand of, of paranoia. That You're I think saying is, that because she's hot, aren't you? Oh, come on. They're all selected for eugenic hotness and none of them eat anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the others, the others vary in in their, their commitments to her. But, but Katie's just uh, straight up mad the whole time. I, I, there's something perversely admirable about that. Oh, I like yeah. that. I she's like an that. Antigone in that way, you In think. the sense that she yeah, might, yeah, she yeah, might yeah, not yeah. be trying to hide, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, she goes all the way. I mean, dignity is a bit of an all or nothing, isn't it? She, and when mm. she's locked in that room, she she definitely lets it all hang out. And I got to say okay, that so you were ha- they locked in the room? Yes, they were, they, room. They, yes. they were locked in that room. They just seemed to be in that room. So that would and be. We were, we so they had to stay there because their former dates were out somewhere. Correct. Or something like so that. is that how it works? So okay. they'd been. So two new girls were introduced in the episode prior, and yeah, um, and yeah. the girls get to the girls have been every new intruder has been watching the show up until the episode they arrive. So they, yeah, they're familiar so with the characters jump. and they have crushes. And obviously the producers yeah. say, "Well, who are you going to go for? Who are you on this show for?" And those two women were like, "We're after Scott. We're after Alex." They get let loose into the house, and they do this intentionally. The two women who oh, yeah. were coupled up with them get <laughs> cloistered away into a hideaway, whilst mm. these two new women get to meet these men. Mm. Mm. But a hideaway where they could see what's going on without being able to affect anything through poorly laminated yeah. frosted glass. Yeah, 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 exactly. I see. I see. So, so that changes shit because initially I had like maybe the slightest of measure of sympathies for private school girl Tina or whatever the fuck her name was. Ah. Um, 
the the sort of the skinniest blonde, um, the one the blonde wearing the matte foundation as opposed to the rest of them wearing shiny foundation mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. whatever variation I've got to go. Uh, as as sure a mark of class as any other. Mm. Yeah, it was very difficult for me to tell what's going on mm. with all of these different blondes here. Um, so Tina knew what she was getting herself into, and she still chose to piss off Katie. That's that's the that's the consensus. Yes, I mean yeah. pissing off, but but also going onto the show. Quote: You know, we're here for this reason. Wanting so Scott, we're wanting mm-hmm. love, and what do I care for an allegiance to Katie? I'm a new gal on this show called Love Island. Yeah, but you're right, Evie. I mean, it, she really takes her life in her own hands. Wanting, like, yeah, wanting so to piss fuck off Katie. Rogue yeah, you 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 pick stupid fights, you win stupid prizes. Yeah. Um, so you know there was some interesting pot calling the kettle basic kind of logic going on there, <laughs> um, as they were screaming and rolling around on a carpet. Clearly, in a show that's being filmed by the the you know the crew of Pornhub or something like that, because oh, some of those angles were. Yeah, some of those camera angles were were fairly voyeuristic. I mean, I dare um, say you know a, a non-voyeuristic camera angle is pretty difficult to achieve. <laughs> I take your point. Philosophically, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, I take your point. Fair enough. Just, but it's a particular style of voyeurism, I'll give through. you that. Sorry, Jonathan, Fair go ahead. Enough. Oh, no, you're right. Just like, you're like, look, this was scripted, right? And, and you read this and you thought this was scripted, man. Like we're looking at an amazing allegory of the the predicament of Eros in late capital after like not just the death of God, but mm-hmm. like we've gotten rid of the death of God, replaced it with the simulacrum, and God is now like this um, a snarky Scottish voiceover. You <laughs> <laughs> um, can see everything and, and, and hates everybody, but is nonetheless somehow enjoying himself. Yeah, he didn't die, God. He just sort of came, <laughs> became a bit forgetful and doddering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he moved to the Philippines. He wandered into yeah. the wrong pub. And was hired by ITV. Yeah. <laughs> <in the UK. laughs> um, I know, John, do we take that? Uh, that's an interesting point. Do, are we all that person when we watch this show? I think we're part of it. Like, um, this is, this is like it's all a hall of mirrors, right? They all know everyone's watching one another. And it's quite interesting that the two women who are sequestered in this one are part of the witness now in a different way. They mm. can watch, mm. which is interesting. I found mm. that interesting. Yes. Um, yeah, we're, I think we're totally in on the game a little bit, you know. But they can't sense. watch without this without stakes. I mean, they were really yeah, they were really being tortured. I mean, there were ways that's in which true, they could have true. absented themselves from the torture, but they were it was sucking for them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's true. So, I mean, yeah. was it really sucking for them, or was just Tom O'Dell softly crooning from his cave somewhere? <laughs> You know, like just waiting for the ballad to release. I mean, the composition of the whole thing is is real. Like, it has to be ironic, right? That you've got Katie complaining that no one's ever suffered the same kind of torture that she's been through absolute hell because her actions were just observed and sort of rightfully judged um, because they were insane. Uh, but you know, but it's also dramatic now because we've got some kind of ballad playing over it i mean how do you how do you go to your job 
Like, I want to talk to their union, um, whoever is involved with the production of this. I just want to know that, like, their workers are okay and that they've received appropriate counselling as a result of this the people, whole process. The people behind the scenes, you mean? There is no behind the scenes in this show. Um, it's, it's all a scene. At every level, it's a scene. I'm just hoping that everyone involved with it at every single level is okay. Well, this brings me to... Um, the next thing, I mean, because we've got two, we've got two things we try to focus on. I've got to say, we don't always do a yeah. great job of focusing, <laughs> but we try to, we're trying to look at two things. The first is, okay, this is about love and islands. So first of all, is this a true representation of love, notwithstanding all of the artifice? And two, are, are islands um, necessary to love in some way or another? That is isolation. Or being placed apart, mm. and then Ooh, and then the other the other main thing we're looking at is the deadliness of this show, and maybe thereby the deadliness of love, or mm-hmm. at least um, the way in which um, the 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 presentation of love in the show interfaces with the fact that three people associated with the show have committed suicide. Two. I did not know that. Okay, carry on. Yeah. Two contestants yeah. and the host. Yeah. Have killed themselves. One of the contestants. One of the contestants was in this episode. Her name was Sophie. She only featured right at the end. Um, So I don't think you would have seen very much of her. But I wonder if you guys. Yeah, Yeah. she's a brunette. No, you saw very, very little of her in this episode. She was wearing tight denim shorts with those, like with a peekaboo crotch and a black t-shirt that said something. Yeah, well, it was like I think it was. um, it was it was it was one piece bathers. What did it say? And yeah. they rose above her hip bones, so you could see no, she was wearing- that little oh, crescent yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, we saw her for a second. Yeah, yeah we saw yeah. her for a second yeah. talking to That's very detailed, Olivia. Yeah. Um, Listen, we're professional at watching this show. <laughs> I'm not going to make any apologies about that. So yeah, so what do you think about that? I mean, uh, either either address love or suicide or the mixture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sorry, I've got two books of philosophy and a Greek tragedy for you. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, Basically, the reason why islands are fascinating is because, according to Derrida and everybody else, we all live in islands. We all live in very uh, uh, enclosed ways of seeing things. The idea of islands writing to love, I mean, even with, you know, fucking like, am I allowed to swear on this show, by the way? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, even like Romeo and Juliet, right? The whole point is that they could have met anyone else at any point, as and Romeo did. He met Rosaline at some point, etc. So there's always like a basic raw mass to, and the mass of that is rather chaotic to whoever one falls in love with. Sorry, babe. Um, mm-hmm. But it's you know, that's just that we all live in finitude, yeah, and all finitudes are of one. the recording very upsetting that was the best interview Alana and I were having a lot of fun 
Jonathan and Evie were extremely turbo. It was. We had some great interviews into Scott and Katie, uh, interviews, insights into Scott and Katie especially, and then, and now we're here grieving the loss of half of that interview. Well, hopefully if John and Evie will tolerate it, we'll get them to watch another episode and we'll have them back on again so that we can make up for that. But that'll be entirely up to their busy schedules. We'll see. Yeah. Hello, Jake. Let me introduce hey, you. We have uh, Jake Goldenfine on the line here, law and technology scholar with a PhD in privacy and surveillance, which we thought seemed quite apt. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfectly suited <laughs> to this. Well, I, I don't have a PhD that has anything to do with reality television, though. Well, but what do you think about the conjunction of surveillance and this particular reality television show? Um, it's... I mean, it's pretty good. I think I don't think you can talk about this particular reality television show without talking about reality television generally. Mm-hmm. The thing that people do talk about surveillance and reality television. Do they? What is what is the logic? Oh, there you are, Jake. I can see you. Yeah, I'm on video. Oh, I love that. What what do you hear as someone who doesn't consume reality TV but is literally an expert in surveillance? Mm. What what do you hear in the show? No, or about about the thing. Yeah, like what do people what do people argue about it? What do they say about it? Yeah. Um, you know, there's like lots of very good stuff in media studies about how like um, reality television normalizes surveillance mm. and um, how it sells like a inauthentic version of reality. Hmm. And even like there's like political economy stuff about how it like helps create like an interactive surveillance based economy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, like it makes us used to um, like participating in media environments uh, by giving information about ourselves. Yes. Mm. Wait, so like more disclosure than. Yeah, more disclosure. And then that has like. There were like there was industrial organization around the fact that we were doing more disclosure ah. and we created whole economies. Does that imply a sort of causation, like like the internet led to us sharing more, therefore people were cashing in on this taste for sharing more, and that's how reality TV sort of got going, or is it the other way around? Do you think? I think uh, I don't know, but. People have definitely argued both, mm. but that's like a determinism, technological determinism kind of question. Mm. But do you think there's some sort of agency behind the like the acclimatization to surveillance through reality television? That there's some sort of concerted project underway? I don't, I don't uh, want to be conspiratorial, like a, but like, like a conspiracy, I was going to say, not, <laughs> not quite a conspiracy, but like there's a con- confluence of interests that that favours social media and reality television arising at the same time, let's say. Let's just call it a policy then. Mm. Um, Maybe, yes. I don't know. Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) (laughs) Is he invested in social media? Is there a... I mean, other than being shared and Facebook. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Hmm. That's something I ought to know. I was thinking, yeah, no, that's... That's something I'm going to look up. Um, 
<laughs> I um I had more thoughts about uh, the show and reality television and surveillance. So I prepared for this. Share oh, them, us them with us. We are desperate for them. Okay. So one of the like things that you start um, learning about when you sort of start reading surveillance studies and, mm. and that kind of stuff is like everyone's jumping off point is Foucault. Everyone mm. loves Foucault. Mm-mm. And Foucault's Daddy. take on the panopticon Mm. which is like about how people don't, uh, they don't know whether they're being watched. So they act like they are being watched. Mm. Like they, and that's how you sort of discipline the body. Mm. And then the, the like reality TV take on that is kind of the like, um, well, now it's like the opposite. Like people know they're being watched but they act like they aren't being watched. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of like this bad faith exhibitionism. Um, mm. mm-hmm. And like that's exciting because there's this idea that like you might catch like this moment of authenticity somehow, mm. like in this in this like weird cartoon. Like, a, ca- like a candid moment. Yeah, it's like it's like they're they're so weird. They're so like cartoony. Um and but become kind of relatable in mm. a sense because they're different from other people on television. Mm. Mm. But do you think there are some authentic moments caught? I mean, I don't. I, let's just not even problematize the word authentic and just. Yeah. Do you think there are some true or authentic moments that emerge anyway? Completely, definitely. Mm. And uh, this is from watching two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a hundred percent, and. And it, like the show's so weird though, because I I kind of think that's not right. Like I kind of think that they like they know they're being watched, but and they're like acting like they're not being watched. But their whole life is about acting like being watched. Mm. Or yes. Their whole life is about being watched. Mm. Like they're they're so external. They're like bodies and and mannerisms mm. and exchanges. So absolutely. I mean, we discussed so it, one time that it might be that they go on to the show in order to be a bit less watched than they ordinarily feel yes. because they sort of carry around this omniscient witness with them and then they go on the show and they're like, oh, well, it's only 64 cameras. That's far few, you know, that's like less than the, the panopticon that I live in, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's less than social media maybe. Yes. Yeah. Because you can separate yourself from the numbers of social media when you're in this when you're on this island, can't you? I mean, yeah, that's a point. I'm talking a bit more sort of about I'm, – I'm talking more about the totalization of being um, observed and judged by their own internal witness, mm. which you could call the superego or something else, but yeah. the, the conscience or whatever, mm, mm. and that they're just their conscience is so ferocious and overactive that if they go in there and they co-opt Britain to be their conscience, then it can't be as ferocious as yes. their own. I like that idea of the the cameras being less of a surveillor and less threatening than their internal policing mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which makes them sort of lose their minds. Yes. <laughs> they let it all hang out. Maybe they're, maybe they're freer in there. I don't know. They what don't do have they? phones. They don't have the internet. Yeah. There is something they that do have a mic. But they they, they, they are mic'd. It's so true. But it's like if you're mic'd, I think they have this momentary forgetting of the microphone because they don't quite know where it's going. It's like they don't have mm. followers mm. yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? 
I mean, it's, it's, I'm asking you an unanswerable question, but what do you reckon? More or less free in the house? I, I think, I think they feel more free. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So they are isolated. The, 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 the title of Island is sort of productive in that sense that they feel like they're outside of something. Is that how people feel in love? I don't know, but I was going to say that, like, that their, like, emotional response in the, like, two weeks between episode one and episode 22 Mm. that I watched, like, they've really accelerated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, Jake, that's that's just three weeks of real time. This is the whole lives that happened in three weeks. They're I mean, like, Scott and Katie, how much have they I'm been like, through in three weeks? Seems like a lot. I yeah. don't know, but it seems like a lot. <laughs> That's Scott. I don't know, man. That's Scott. Tell me your thoughts on Scott, Jake. Scott, like, uh, is unable to reflect on his own thoughts. Mm. And so, like, he, everyone tells him how to... Um, interpret his relationship with Katie and he just like has no idea how to evaluate that and Mm. uh just says okay and Mm. then Katie sees it straight away and she was like you're an idiot for just doing what they tell you and not thinking for yourself and she's completely right Mm. but what I mean okay but then what do you think about um I mean the validity or the wisdom of what they've told him well, I didn't say enough to, to judge Katie, mm. but she struck me as smart because of that. For her he, pointing out that he was being manipulated by by the sort of populist opinion. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, I guess I saw Katie, you know, behave boisterously at the start of the episode, but he just, he doesn't have it together. He, 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 <laughs> he, he struck me as less um, like, uh, I don't know, less sensible human than her like I don't know there was something about him that just didn't work for me yeah I think if you watch over time you see that she doesn't quite know what she wants either Mm. but she does know what she wants in that moment and especially in this episode because she doesn't want to be dominated she wants to dominate but um definitely I think on the whole they complement each other. Scott's a, really very, a real leaf on the breeze. He is a leaf mm. on the breeze. And yeah. this is why I think this question of whether surveillance changes behaviour, I mean, like on the surface obviously we know that it does, but when one's behaviour in love is being surveilled, do we act differently to how we behave in real life where we're still being surveilled, right, by our social like circumstances and our friends and the opinions that people have all the time. Mm. Like how much of an effect does this surveillance have on our feelings? Mm. Do you think? On our feelings. Yeah. Um, well, you know, people have studied that. People have studied that using social media as well. In what way? See, well, they do sort of like behavioural and affect tracking um, uh, in relation to like Sentiment analysis, like, you know, you have Sentiment like, analysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can pretty much like measure like behaviour, like affective change in populations when exposed to different kinds of messaging. Mm. So I think that um, 
yes, we are sensitive to these things. Would it change our behavior? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Mm. You could make like a, like a humanist kind of argument that it was mm. like, that would be like humans need to have like off stage time, like Goffman kind of argument, like mm. you need to be out of view. Um, there's also the, like all the personality sort of stuff about like the mask, you know, like the mm. inner and outward sites of identity, like, and that there's a, there's like a, a, a transgression or a violation mm. when um, there's the uh, like, substitution of the outward side of identity for the inward side of identity. Oh, how does that happen? How do you, how does that happen? Yeah. Like what's a situation in which one's forced to substitute the outside for the inside? Well, like a criminal identity when you come to be known according to the identity Mm. given to you by the state or by police Uh or by others in, in, in um, social media. So like reputation is kind of an identity harm Mm. because Mm the sort of identity by which the world knows you mm. is co-opted and controlled by people who aren't you. I right. think this has a lot to do with the theme of this podcast and Sophie's downfall, but not necessarily specifically. Mm. Also just the damage that gets done <clears throat> excuse me, to people when they uh, fall victim to their reputation being taken over. By yeah. by the public, I think it's more yeah. more about Carolyn and Sophie with something more to do with with love itself. That Possibly, her, her suicide. how could you separate it though? When well, when well, one's most personal Carolyn issues, Carolyn are made killed public. herself soon after she suffered a, um, a a change in her reputation. Sure, on the back of being a public figure. Sure, whereas Sophie killed herself five weeks after falling in love and mm. there was no particular flux mm. in her reputation at that moment. It's interesting. And she was she was widely well regarded after coming off the show. I still think that this, like this being thrusted into the public view mm. and having other people's opinions really become the the meat of, of who you are, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. it gets, it gets, con, it gets consumed, your own view of yourself is subsumed into this, view of you that the populace holds. Okay, well then, Jake, because Sophie's reputation was good when she came off the show and Sophie's hold in, Sophie's held in high regard in general or was before she killed herself. So, I mean, I like that um, term you used before about identity harm. Was that what it was? Is, uh, yeah. Is good reputation still harmful in a certain respect and still negatively impacts affect? I don't know if it's, um, well, I mean, I mean, that's a very difficult question. In law, probably not. Yes. Mm. But in psychology, it's different. I suppose it depends if you um, identify like the transgression or the violation to be about a loss of control mm. or about whether it's a loss or, or whether it's about what is communicated to mm. the world about yeah. it. Mm. And um, yeah, I can, you know, I can right. imagine people would argue either way on that. Right. What? So that's one for which we'd need Sophie on the show to say, okay, well, it looks like everyone liked you, but maybe there was some minute detail that somebody said about you or something like that that loss of identity that rubbed control you, rubbed you the wrong yes. way, or just the fact that yes. it was out of your control, and yeah. that these people mm. are voluntarily putting themselves in a position of heightened loss of identity control. 
They're really putting themselves in yeah. this position. They signed up for it. They signed up for it. Mm. And then what maybe what they were like imagining they might present to the world. Yes. Like this is going to be me. This is how everyone's going to see me. Yes. Is maybe not exactly what happens. And then yes. you get this funny thing going on. Mm. Which is what? What did what did you see in this these two episodes that you watched, twenty two and twenty three? Like, like what did I see in the in the characters or in yeah, like the anything, show? anything? What struck you? Mm. I mean, I was I was struck by how compelling it was. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, it's really good show. Jake loathes the fact that he now loves this show. <laughs> Uh, it was a surprise. It was a real shock. <laughs> what shocked you? Uh, I don't really like reality TV mm. uh, and I've never really watched it. Mm. Um, and, I mean, having listened to um, the podcast, uh, it seemed much more interesting. And then maybe also that gave, uh, like, license or maybe it directed our attention towards thinking about it in a way that was... Um, more interesting than watching it mm-hmm. as like a naive, uh, like screen media experience. consumer. Yeah, uh, you need you needed the excuse to think that it was an erudite activity, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's what we that we started the podcast for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, now so we're, people must know we're not wasting is- time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how this does this differ? Yeah. How does it differ to other reality TV shows? Well, I don't know if it does differ, but I sort of find that this like combination of them like acting authentically in such an inauthentic place when they're such inauthentic sort of characters <laughs> is kind of mind-boggling mm, and fun. Mm. It's kind of like this funny contradiction mm. that um, makes it seem very real and unreal mm. at the same time and... Um, I don't know. It's just like it's these like they're these like true cartoons. <laughs> mm. It's a really good point. So so inauthentic actors in an inauthentic environment spontaneously acting authentically. Mm. Mm. I mean, Scott is a great example of that because I mean he's this Ibiza party boy. <laughs> he'd be like he'd be. Um, plowing through chicks every weekend and never having to show more than like five lines of dialogue yeah. to anybody. Yeah. And now hidden. all of a sudden, mm. yeah, he's he's trying to apply this mm. very limited repertoire <laughs> to three whole weeks of being filmed. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's forced to like go off script and do things that are. I don't know that could qualify as authentic in as much as yes. they exist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's got no game. He's like, yeah. he's, like, he's got, got no game. His game's very, very narrow. So true. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about seeing as, you know, let, let's make use of your expertise. Hmm. These people would have signed something going on and there's something that would um, sort of substitute for consent um, to be on the show but then – what what are the boundaries of like what are they able to consent to? Because for instance, in this episode, we saw Olivia and Katie be locked in a room and not permitted to exit. I'm sure if they demanded to exit, maybe they would have been able to leave the room 
And oh, there, was a, there was a button for them to open the doors. Yeah, but uh, but there would have also been some bound, like there would have been some. There something was a to bouncer a that we saw in this yeah. episode. Yeah, but so they would have been told, or if you leave the room, you have to leave the house. Or I, I don't know what the. Are you asking if Jake knows about the not this specific contractual <laughs> agreements? <laughs> but <laughs> like, uh, I mean, is it possible? I was Scott's lawyer. So. <laughs> yeah. But it's just such because it's such a heterogeneous and like diverse experience, and also such a vast one. Like, how much would they have to sign away in order to sign away enough? Hmm. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm sure they have contractually consented to these things. Mm. But like, even though consent in is you know such a problematic concept like what's contractual consent like consent is how like privacy works mm. in in mm. respect to inf- like internet and information environments like terms and service and consent yes everything but agree, no one really agree consents. agree yeah no one actually knows what consent means but let's say that like even they they sort of had a sense of what they were consenting to because they'd seen the show mm. before like the weird Power dynamics of the game. Yes. <laughs> like, like, so I'm not, I'm showing the contract, it doesn't say something like, oh, do you consent to like possibly like putting yourself in a like sexual situation that you don't want to be mm. in just to like stay in this game show? Mm. Mm, mm. It wouldn't, like, it wouldn't <laughs> say that. Probably not. Um, It might. I don't know. Maybe they do. Do you Uh, consent to being emotionally bullied into a situation that you don't want for yourself? Yeah. So the power dynamics are between like the mechanism that is the game Mm. and what, how that like establishes what the preferences and behaviors of the people in the game are is mm. really strange because it's such a such, such a strange like goal mm. and it's a really weird way to achieve that goal. Mm. Mm. Why? What do you think <laughs> the goal is? Well, I'm not sure, but you said like someone wins. So I yeah. guess the goal is to have- <laughs> Two the, people win. Da- yeah. D- is it to date the longest? Is that how you win? It's a, really, you we- to- it's a really weird and convoluted You have to date long and system. be likable. So you have to be in a couple at the public end and, and then I believe that the, the final step is that the public vote on their final couple that they think should win. Yeah. I mean, conceivably if there was only one couple left at the end because there were like storm, storm offs or whatever, mm. then there would they, would be, win. they would win. But in the end there's usually three or four couples left and then essentially uh, the nation – Britain in this instance votes on which is the couple they think is like mm. re- truly in love, and it's the, oh. the mm. like that notion of the the, pres- the presentation of true the love. best love, yeah, yeah, that yeah. interests us. And sure. so that's what's interesting about your insights into Scott, right, Jake? Like you, you were taken by the fact that Scott was in love with Katie, and then the, really? the house turned against her. Due to her behaviour, she called someone a cunt, she was yelling, she was angry and then he sort of came to, he seemed to come to a certain state of mind and was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't be with you. The people are against her and therefore it's sort of shameful for me to be in love with her. This is the power that other eyes have on Mm. one's life, right? 
But maybe she like has had to deal with that her whole life as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like maybe she alienates people. Yes. And like, and and that's what happens. People turn against her, and then she knows how to like rescue. Nah. <laughs> it's fucking Scott. It's not her. Scott's the problem. There. Do you think Scott's the problem there? Yeah, definitely. Because he's been swayed by public opinion. Nah, just because he's um, he's he's he's. He's just, I, I don't know. It sounds mean. I think he's he's like a, a bit of a dummy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And um, and like that makes him not be compassionate enough or something. Mm. I don't know. Well, yeah, his lack of compassion is not necessarily because he's dumb, although he is, but because he <laughs> because he's so. <laughs> He's so insecure, and I think that's right. why those two are well matched. Is because they're very, they're both really dominated by insecurity, and they they don't really have much of a, a capacity to mm. look, look at themselves. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I wonder about this surveillance thing. Like, how different are we to Love Island contestants? Because. We, I mean, we have our silent thoughts to ourselves. But that's where it ends. That's where privacy ends, right? Because everything that we say to another is shared. Well, we're on Zoom right now. And we're on Zoom right now. We're and- using enterprise-grade enterprise software <laughs> to, to have a, a conversation. They're yeah. storing all these chats. Right. Okay. <laughs> so even when we think we have... We have our mind across how we're being surveilled. We actually don't at all times. But Love Island sort of brings that to the fore. Yeah, because, I think that's right. Yeah. It sort of makes the level of surveillance that we have in our everyday lives visible. It makes it less covert. Yeah, it's sort of like, okay, you're on this show, there's all these cameras and it's about a TV show that's going to be presented to this whole country mm. and... Uh, like that's like the media world, media economy mm. it's going to be in. Mm. We don't fucking know who's making money off this call. Mm. No, we don't. Exactly. <laughs> well, <Zoom is. laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, Zoom is, but also like all the like infrastructure providers, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon Web Services makes money off mm-hmm. this, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, the um, broadband providers. Mm-hmm. Rupert Murdoch somehow. And yeah. <laughs> Siri is listening to us right now and yes. scanning to see if we're talking about any products. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's all that. Um, mm. And uh, and it's it's making like a lot of people a lot of money. Mm. And we don't know how, at least on Live Island, you sort of know how. Mm. Do you think we should feel guilty then for watching a show like Live Island? Why? I don't know. But or, or, I mean, related and converse, do you think that the reason it's compelling is because it stages the surveillance state that we live in and it's essentially a representation of everyday life? Mm. Like, yeah. and, but by, made, by being made into what you call a cartoon, then uh, we can sort of trivialise it. You know, we, we dis- distill our surveillance li- mm. surveilled life into this cartoon and then watch it as if it's a far. Yeah. That was kind of exactly the thing that people would were saying about Big Brother, mm. right? Because that would kind of started 
start, like started all the crit, the crit, critique and criticism around reality television from that from that crowd. Mm. Um, and I think that that that's that's it. It like sells you this version of reality that um, yeah, that sort of swallows up the the whatever problematic dimension because hidden behind the farce. And then it's like, oh, fine. Yeah, this that's a that's definitely a thing. Mm. But I don't know. Like, we get so much media from all different places. Although TV is still pretty important. TV is really important. I mean, TV is on the internet now. It's different, but so we've moved from like, does the surveillance affect them to does our engagement with this surveillance affect us? Mm. Is that is that, is that where we got to now? I, Seems I, like it. Uh, it does seem like it. I think that's quite a uh, that's quite a natural response for viewers who aren't even thinking critically. Mm. But I think I think lots of people who watch reality TV have this thought that is this doing something to me? Me indulging mm. in this viewing? What's that? What's this doing to me? Seeing into people's lives in a way that I might not usually, mm. or consuming this manufactured image of lives. Do, do you think it's bad? Do you think it's bad that, um, like, is this a, is this like a, a, a normative claim about Love Island that like the consumption of Love Island is bad I, for people? I, I don't think so. I think I, like, okay, there, there are two issues, right? Like my consumption as as adding a number to the rate of people watching this show that might mm. lead to the proliferation of evil technologies and media sources and outlets. Did, does that make sense? Compared to is it doing something to my mind yeah. that's changing my way of being in the world? They're two different questions. But I, I think in terms of my own mind... Ultimately, I think I think that Love Island is good for me because I like seeing how people relate hmm. and how conversations unfold between individuals that we're not accustomed to being exposed to. But I'm a psychologist. Of course I would think that. I have an interest in how people interact and hmm. relate and how people feel. Hmm. It doesn't make me dislike humans any more than I already do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's an important point. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, firstly that, uh, yeah, I mean, a general viewership doesn't need to do much more than identify with one or the other of the characters on there to already be sort of thinking about themselves. Mm, um, identifying. Yeah, mm. like um, being either they're, they're thinking about themselves in that state of surveillance, like, oh, I'm such a Katie. Mm. Well, you're already thinking, how would I behave in a similar circumstance of, of like being th- like comprehensively witnessed and subjected to these high pressure situations. Mm. And then that must have some, at least some unconscious effect on them whereby they recognize that they are already in a high state of surveillance and in many high pressure situations. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing is about the normative claim that, you know, Love Island is not, is either good or bad. I think um, um, 
like all good art, it's compelling precisely because it doesn't achieve either goodness or badness and it rather mm-hmm. just stages the dialectic between the two of them. Hmm. And um, uh, we, 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 get, we sit down and we watch uh, real life play out again in some distilled or, you know, parodic form and then we, we leave it and although we entered either with fantasies of condemning real life or fantasies of affirming real life, we leave having to make our own decision one right. way or the other anyway. Right. I guess, do you feel like the, the, the contestants are exploited? Hmm. This is a question that we throw I back do. and forth all the time. Uh, yeah, I think at the moment I'm falling on the side of they are just exploited. And it's a really good question, Jake, because... I uh, like. Can you not? Is it possible for you to not be exploited on such a show? Yeah, but, but I'm not sure that that means that they're not being exploited. Just because we're no, all being exploited, I, I might agree yeah. with that. But also, like this is the question of consent that I feel is sort of like unanswerable at this stage. I don't know. Yeah. Like if you agree. It's a treat. Like if you agree to be on a show, a show whose format you've engaged with before, it had already existed for many years on television mm-hmm. and you've agreed to it, um, where do we draw the line of exploitation? Yeah. Yeah, I think the consent the consent thing is a trick. Mm. Like, um, But it's always a trick. We consent to yeah, be in relationships a- and friendships and then we get, um, you know, ill-treated or we think we have and then things – the the conditions always change. Yeah, I think that – yeah, that's right, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I can't answer. Mm. I, don't have an, I don't have an answer. Do it. you feel like you're exploiting people when you watched Love Island? No. Mm. Because, well, see, here's the thing. Like maybe it's the feeling of exploitation – is how that like identity experience we were talking about at the start is is expressed. Mm. It's like if if all of a sudden you go on the show, you think you're doing this thing, mm. and then you totally like lose control of how you're represented in the world. Mm. Like whereas mm. you know you thought you were in control because you were in this mm. very sort of orchestrated and, and curated space, mm. and you you know. And then you get edited. You understood it. Yeah. And you get edited and then you you interact with the wider world of media and then you see yourself and then, you know, you you consented to the producers making this stuff. You didn't consent to the newspapers or people on social media making this stuff about you. And maybe that um, there's a feeling of exploitation that comes there that like now you belong to the public, but then again, like, they must know that. And also... I don't don't think that's the moment of exploitation. But also, isn't that how we feel in relationships? Yes. Like, even before the producers have their way, Katie said in episode 22 to Scott in tears, she was like, do you think this is how I wanted to behave on this show? Mm. Do you think this is how I wanted to act? Well, that's a, that begs the question because maybe it is how she wanted to act. Possibly. But I still but think human that interaction makes us do things we didn't yes, plan but, for. But our interaction, their interactions with each other, I don't think um, form any part of the exploitation. And our interaction with them, being entertained or being the entertainer, I don't think forms the exploitation either. I just think it's as simple as who's making money off them. Mm. 
And you know, I mean, mm. if if only, if entertainment was the only thing that was being exchanged, mm. then maybe you know um, our entertainment in exchange for their fame is a fair one. But the fact that somebody's siphoning a profit out of that, mm. I think, is the the moment at which it becomes exploitative. But my boss makes profit off me when I go to work. Yeah, but I don't think that should be happening either. No, yeah. agreed. So is it is it a more elevated or inflated? exploitation than anyone in a job? No, well, okay, but maybe there's maybe the same way that they're staging the surveillance the state of surveillance that we live in they're also staging the state of like um alienation from labor that we all live mm-hmm. in because they're alienated from their own entertainment labor that they're doing. Mm. Yes. But so are we. So are we mm. every day. So we're well not and when we're watching the show. So like they're exploited in terms of like behaving this way to generate this media content mm. that is then like used to get our attention mm. and our attention is the thing that the producers of the want. show really want. Yes. Mm. That's, yes. That's the thing that you can then um, package and sell to advertisers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like our, our attention is actually what the show produces Yes, and the media content is just, the aggregating tool to, to, to get our attention. Yes. Yeah. But that's not what they're selling. Like the prize money isn't what the cost of the show. No. You know? Which is so, precisely why they have to be so ingenious enough, the producers and the editors, they have to be ingenious enough to produce what we would call an authentic moment on there because we're not going to be compelled to watch by just without authentic without, without those moments mm. of authenticity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the 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 emotion, the relationships that they're they're making in the show and the ones they're selling aren't the ones between characters on the show. It's between us and the emotional experience of the character mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is what um, that is what is the engaging dimension of the show and engagement is what you optimize for because engagement means more attention. Yes, absolutely. means more metrics that you can sell to advertisers. Right. Yeah, and and I suppose then the things that they they try and cultivate, the things that the producers manipulate into happening are geared towards engaging us. It might be love, it might be hate, it might be whatever it is. And the like timing of the ads and the timing of the show and the music yep. and even like the narrator's voice is so weird, right? <laughs> but it's like yeah, maybe it's a strangely compelling way of speaking to uh, a viewer that makes them like watch more. Uh, they probably like tested with all different kinds of voices. There is no doubt, Jake. The, he is like, is he Scottish? Is that the accent that we're hearing? I, I think, think it might be. It's like a light. It's Scottish. like a it's like a light, light Scottish, Scottish very ironic, jokey, undermining narrative mm. that works for the consumer because they can feel one step removed. Right, and which is why the the whole air of kitsch. Yeah, works. I mean, is important to the success of the show because that's what makes it. Um, that's what um, protects us from over-identifying. Exactly, yeah. or feeling mm. like we're being manipulated. Yeah. If the music mm. was very morose, if the if the narrator was very heartfelt, we wouldn't want to identify it, with this if show. If it was all of that, then it would be married at first sight. Then Australia. it would be married at first sight. It would be very serious. Yeah. 
and we wouldn't want to identify with them. I know, but a lot of Australians watch Married at First Sight and when we watched Lame. it, we were, we were horrified <laughs> at like how abusive it seemed because of the serious framing. Yeah. Even though the people are in similar situations <laughs> to Love Island. They're trapped. But, They're being surveilled. <laughs> But in Love Island, there's a they're lonely. There's a Scot- there's a man with a light Scottish accent yeah. making jokes. I mean, that's for me. Yeah, for me too. It makes it better. It, it does. Makes it better. <laughs> but it makes makes me think that like you know all the like behavioral engineering and like fancy cognitive science uh, is not going into like designing the game show. It's going into designing the. Uh, viewing experience as if it mm. as if it has mm. ever mm. meant to control anything else though yeah. it's a television show it's a television show yeah of course mm. <laughs> jakey thank you so much thanks a lot jake yeah i can't wait fun. to discuss uh more episodes with you on and off air oh uh, yeah okay repeat <laughs> interviewee <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jakey. Happy to be back anytime. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, we got to call someone else now. Have they? Were they? Do they have to wait half an hour? No, <laughs> maybe yeah, longer. Maybe longer. <laughs> <laughs> and none of what, none of you signed a consent. That's form, true. We'll so. send you, we'll send you some forms. <laughs> I assume this is live, so it's fine. It's, it's just going to be a, it's just oh, going to be a, a white piece of paper that says consent. Yes, no. <laughs> Circle. With no, with with yes already ticked. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, baby, thank you. All right, yes. ciao. Okay, bye. Checking, no check. Yeah. She's a rich girl. I didn't know I didn't know it doesn't matter anyway. She can rely on her own man's money. She can rely on her own man's money. She's a rich girl. It's been in my head for three days. She can rely on on her own masked bunny. Old man's money. She can rely on her own masked bunny. She can rely on her own masked bunny. She can rely (laughs) on her her own masked bunny. bunny. She's a rich girl and she's got some kinks. Okay. So, hi, Lily. Hey. With us now, we have uh, Lily calling in from Paris, Lily Kyle. She's a a writer uh, and a UX writer and an editor. Um, and right now, Alana's asking me, what does a UX writer do? Can you tell us? Um, basically, I just write the text in software applications, in, in apps and in chatbots. Mm. So I write conversations and... Tone of voice guides and stuff like that. 
Wow. I mean, it's basically copywriting. Yeah. So you you sort of uh, facilitate the way that all of us interact with internet media. Yeah. Can you using, give me? Can you give me an example yeah. of what UX writing is like on the like if I'm on the user side? Like, what would I see? Um, well, like for example, I like some of the software programs that I work with are pretty technical, like, um, the airlines one, the main one that my company is kind of like responsible for is all airline bookings go through it. And so it's the end user is a travel agent and the, the system is really, really old. It like Mm. works in parallel to the internet Mm. and, um, a lot of, the error messages are basically incomprehensible. Like they're extremely technical. Mm. They don't tell you what to do, what to do. And so I basically like, it's kind of like doing a crossword for me. Like I get, I get on the phone with a developer and they show me what it looks like. And then they, and then I, I have to ask a lot of questions to find out what, what it means and then mm. what they actually intend to say. And then I translate it into, um, like words so that are understandable. Wow. Can you do that for love? Mm-hmm. For love, could yeah, you, could absolutely. You, could you make it a more user-friendly experience for us? <laughs> for you guys. For all of for us. For everyone. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so do- <laughs> did you wa- did you watch episode twenty two? I watched episode twenty two first of season six um, because <laughs> I had the, I didn't realize you guys were watching. Uh, Fair enough two. that you didn't think that we were watching the second season from two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> yeah, so season six was the one that just finished, so that is a fair assumption. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and the production seems to have changed quite a bit as well. The- Oh, tell us things. how, because oh, we have we watched yeah. bits of season six last year. Did it get shiny? Shiny? Yeah, like did it did it get all that- like scrubbed up? No, actually, in a way, not. Like they've gotten well, they've gotten rid of the voiceover, which is really great. So they actually communicate with the contestants entirely through text messages. I think maybe they did that already. But oh, um, so I did. You, you um, so- saw the season when the host had died. Oh, I see. Yeah, she'd already died. But what about the voice? So the voiceover is usually not to communicate with the contestants, but to communicate with the viewers. Is there still is there no narration yeah, anymore? Yeah, uh, I didn't notice any narration. Wow. Um, oh, wow. But maybe that maybe they've just got a better voice actor, and therefore it was less noticeable. Was it was it but not I, like a cheeky, ironic Scottish guy? No, 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 it wasn't. Oh. And also the casting is different, I think, because um, there's a lot, there, there are, there are, there's more of a balance between kind of traumatised people who act, act out and mm. people who are just very well adjusted. Mm. So there, there were quite, quite a few solid couples, which is dif- very different from what I saw in season two. Yeah, where, where there's like one solid yeah. couple, I guess. Right. So yeah. they, they've weeded out um, insecure, unstable people, you think, to get more stable people on the they show? Haven't, 
they haven't weirded them out as such. They're still there and they provide the main drama, but it was so much more pleasant watching this episode. I mean, it, there was there were so many people, more people that you could back. Um, in season two. In season two, which... Yeah. Interesting. That's so, yeah. very interesting. Season I mean, six the- probably just full of these cynical people who already know what the show is all about and right. just trying to get fame. They're like they're like social media savvy, mm. fame thirsty, mm. and the producers are keen to avoid savvy. recruiting people who might be suicide cases. Oh, yeah, okay. <gasps> oh I God. thought maybe the producers just have lost like – don't have as many people applying, but maybe you're right. Maybe they're trying to, they're trying of to. Of course, they're clean trying up. to minimize the, the yeah. controversy. That's very interesting, Lily. So it was boring. It, no, I really liked it because there were so many. There were so many interesting characters. Like oh, in there were so two. many people who. So wait, in season six. Season oh. six. I, I actually thought that. Yeah, I actually thought there was like a big improvement because it wasn't as stressful to watch. Ah, okay. So it, was it, it wasn't like high drama all the time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, twenty-two season tw- um, episode twenty-two of season two is a high drama episode, mm. but I would say it's been a pretty right. stressful season in general. I mean, you only need but it Scott and to Katie be to almost. Yeah, I was looking. So, like, the redeeming characters in, in um, episode 22 of season two, and it was really hard to find anyone that I liked. Like, it just seems like they're all kind of traumatised people, like, setting up tests and traps for each other. Mm. And that, like, Olivia was the only one who kind mm. of came through as, like, interesting and a little bit strong. Oh, I totally agree, Lily. She's my favourite gal mm. on the show. Yeah, she was a slow burn for me, but I also I think Olivia is really a good character. Mm. And Nathan and Kara, and other than them, I can't see anyone else. You but can. we saw very little of them on the on the in the drama filled episodes. You don't see a lot of Sophie, our main gal. You don't mm. see a lot of Nathan and Kara so much because mm. they're not providing the drama. No, I mean Sophie's got a, yeah, a very right. heavy internal drama going mm. on, but yeah, she's not causing much drama outside of herself. Mm. Well, so what was it that you guys found interesting about this episode? What what did you find interesting, Lily? Um, I guess coming into Love Island completely cold. Mm. Like I've only I've only had any contact with it through you guys. I I feel like it should be called like pre Love Island because <laughs> it's like pre love like the whole pre-love period and yeah mm. like I noticed that like the, the traumatized people like they're kind of just trying to retain power and like this mm. when the guys were having a chat that was interesting how they were all like none of us have had the power for a while now mm. and like what they mean is I suppose they're involved with somebody and therefore they they don't feel in control anymore. Mm, I mean that that conversation that was between Adam and Alex and one other was really a disgusting conversation. I mean, Alana and I were sitting there cringing, especially when Adam said something about what did he say? Maybe I'll bang her and then still couple up with Tina. Yeah, I'd bang the stripper, but I'll couple up with Tina. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he talks a big game as well, but he is a very 
he's like a damaged dude. Mm. So it's interesting, Lily, yeah. but that, that uh, without knowledge of the show, you picked up this issue of power because it's true, right? Like this power shifts all the time and meaningfully in relationships, but actually in the show what they're referring to is that the next coupling ceremony, which puts people in jeopardy of being evicted from the villa, is when the women or the men have the power to choose their who they want to be coupled up with. And if you're not chosen, um, then you're vulnerable to being evicted. So that they're talking about a very sort of sort of concrete power in the show. But it relates really without this eviction creation, right? Mm. Yeah, it was... Go, Sam. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it was interesting to see the parallel between the girls' talking strategy as well. Um, Who was it? It was the the new girl. Oh, Tina or Liana? Tina, I think. Yeah, Tina. Talking strategy with the brunette girl. Oh, yes, um, with Marlon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, oh, just choose Adam. Like, you could just partner up with him yeah. and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think? You'll be in a stronger position. You mm. know? There's not a lot of that that happens. In, I mean, that's. There was an unusually frank discussion between Marlon and Tina because ordinarily there's more pretense about, oh, I'm in here for the right reasons and (laughs) trying to find love. Mm -hmm. And Marlon was just like, yeah, just couple up with Adam. He's fine and you'll find somebody else after him. But, I mean, why do you think Marlon was so – because we've been watching and we know a bit about Marlon, so I can tell you we don't know more than you on this particular question. Why do you think – just wildly speculate here. Why was Marlon so interested in – like um, grandmothering Tina at that moment. Well, she kind of exposed her, didn't didn't she? Who did? Like by Marlon. Marlon exposed Tina. By, yeah, I mean by prying and by hinting mm. that you know we're all here for like by being cynical, she exposed. Mm. Um, the other woman as being cynical yeah, herself. Yeah, Similarly cynical. cynical. Also. It's yeah. true because yeah. she was like, well, you don't want to leave, do you? You don't want to leave the villa. You don't want to get evicted. I mean, this was the like the, yeah. the final aim. Right. So she's establishing some cynical solidarity between them. We're all here for the wrong mm. reasons, sweetie. Yeah. Mm. Well, of the interviewees tonight, you're the one who has the most experience in the construction of narrative. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how important? I mean, there's two questions. One is just what story is being told in this particular episode, but I think that's the less interesting one too. Like, what are the conventions of the narrative form that they are just subscribing to in this show? That are the same as they've always been, and is there? But and then, are, is there any innovation here? Is there something new that the reality TV form does? I think it's kind of chaos, and then they just pick. They create. They create a chaotic situation, and then then it's just editing. Like 
Yeah. I, beyond, beyond the choices that they make during casting, and then, and then it's just wild animals in a zoo. Like, I, I don't know if. Yeah, but I mean, I mean in, I, at the editing yeah. stage, they do you think that they are bound by some con- like some conventions of the narrative or? Well, well, they've definitely changed their approach. I would say they've definitely changed their hmm. approach to narrative in hmm. the seasons. Like it was, it was really st- well. Yeah, you said it was a highly charged episode, but it was very strange to go to go from season six, which where I like saw a lot of characters that were really fascinating to hmm. this to this really awful trash like trash right. talking kind of yes nightmare scene like Katie yelling um, through a door yeah yeah um but but I guess there's there's ups and downs and they take you on a bit of a ride mm. it's very interesting maybe they that you watched episode 22 of season six, episode 22 of season two. <laughs> it's like at exactly the same point. Yeah. Yeah. So there, they've all known yeah. each other for the same amount of time and um, but there's a lot of very different things going on. There was also a Sophie in, in season six and I thought it was your Sophie. Oh, I thought it was your Sophie who'd killed herself, and I was heartbroken because she was wonderful. She was like just the most. Like I, I was thinking, um, she, she's really like it would be impossible to seduce her basically because she has no lack. Like she's just, hmm. she had so so much spirit and she was so like charming that um, I mean that, and then. And then when I Googled Sophie, her image came up uh, and I was like, no, uh, she's gone. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Sophie um, died before season six even started shooting. Long before. Yeah. Right. Mm. Well, anything else strike you no, about the actual episode we were supposed to be watching? Um. Not really, but it left me pretty cold. Mm. Well, I mean, who's the problem, Katie or Scott? I think we've posed this one to everybody so far. Can you remind me who they are? So Katie was the brunette locked (laughs) in a room. Of course. She she had exploded in rage because she'd been separated from Scott and Scott was dealing with the fact that a new woman had come into the house and had explicitly chosen him as as her object of desire and taken him on a date and Katie was breaking down. Um, I couldn't figure Scott out. I couldn't really, like, he seems sincere mm. but not to the point of being a total, like, fooling himself. I think and this Katie, is interesting. Yes, go on. Katie, um, yeah, it seemed like quite a troubled person. Like mm. she, yeah, she she seems like she. Um, it was more about power for her. Mm. 
Mm. And so that that being put in a room would have been really difficult for her. Yes, she was literally a caged animal. Yeah, she was not happy. I'm trying to think now. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just wondering what you guys thought about, like, like in terms of consistency of characters and stuff. Oh, I think Katie, something in- Katie and Scott have, have really taken turns for being the shittiest through the show. <laughs> I think they're both quite um, focused on power. I mean, I think when, like, at the inauguration of their relationship, Scott said, I'm used to having the power and this is making me feel really uncomfortable. And Katie said something similar later on when... This episode, she was like, I'm, I'm used to having the power. Yeah. I don't know what it is to not be in control, which yeah. is a which is a self. She said, line. "Yeah, she said I'm con- in control of everything in my life." Yes, yeah. yeah, and she said, "I I rejected a million, the like a fo- a football millionaire." Oh, is that what she said? I didn't hear that. <laughs> I didn't hear yeah. that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, I rejected a football millionaire. I shouldn't have to put up with this shit of being hurt. <laughs> yes. All right, that's because that, that's, that's a million love bucks in the bank if you reject that. <laughs> yeah, you got you got shit to spare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> love bucks. You put that, you put that in your back pocket and you keep going. <laughs> Every yeah, rejection to use at the next rejection. Exactly. Where you're like I had a foot. A millionaire. Oh, you you reject me? No, I rejected a football millionaire. <laughs> I reject you. C- cashing in my get out of jail free card. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Because for someone who's only just, I mean, this is like the transience of character. Like Lily watches this episode; it's the first experience she has it has of these people, and Scott looks pretty reasonable. Yeah, he's not been reasonable. Yeah, and Katie looks pretty crazy. And she's also whilst not been reasonable. Is, but like, I mean, from from any moment, you really can't tell who a person is, right? No, but we've had other. I mean, we've 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 spoken to other people tonight who, even having just watched this mm, episode, mm, fell yes. in with Katie rather than yes. Scott. Yes. Mm. Yes. Right. I think you and I, having acquainted ourselves with them the best, maintain a balanced position about them. Oh, always balanced. (laughs) But I agree with you, Lily. I think in this episode Scott did come across as fairly reasonable um, and he also managed to be quite charming and level-headed in his date with that new girl. Which makes me think I should have been more suspicious, really. I mean... Um, because he, he wasn't in the position of power and it's always easy to be calm and in control when when you are holding the cards, right? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Sam said a similar thing when we were watching this episode. I said, look at Scott in this hot tub room sauna that he was in. I was like, look, he's almost being charming. And Sam, you said, what did you say? You said, well, he he knows he's wanted. Yeah. This new girl has come into the house expressing his desi- her desire for him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe we're all like vampires. He needs need to, to be, be welcomed in. in. Yeah. He needs to be invited in. And in that sense, we're all vampires. Like he became we're his calm vampires. self. Yeah. 
Because mm. I yeah, do wonder where that. Absolutely. Where does that convention come from? I mean, garlic. Okay, that turns us all off. Steak, <laughs> wooden steak to the heart. We'd all succumb to that one also. Garlic but then, so where is this convention of they have to be invited in? Oh, it's consent. It's yes, consent. it is consent, isn't and, it? It's yeah. I mean, if you yeah, if you look at um, sadistic characters, they often they often ask for consent in some way or a sign, even if it's a fantasy. Mm. All right. Mm. Or they, they want to compel but, a sort of a, a simulated consent or something like yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But like, her, um, in the end, you're going to be begging me to kill you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But Liana's, um, the line of seduction that she used twice was to say, there's no one else in here <laughs> that I want. Yes, yes. That was her kind of coy, looking away, not looking in the eye, but saying, I'm not attracted to anyone else. It didn't work so for her. Like, it didn't? No. No, she's... Well, in this episode or... It doesn't. Oh, no, we don't know anything else. Well, we do know. Oh, you do. You do, Olivia and Alex. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, but I don't know if it works on somebody else. Oh, possibly. Oh, that move. Yes, I mean, yeah. yes, Doesn't I know that on Alex. Uh, Alex and Olivia get married. Yes, Lily, Alex and Olivia oh, wow. get married. All right, that's, who, that's amazing. I know. <laughs> who do you think's the hottest on the show? Yes. Um, I, I can't tell you. I haven't really seen them all enough. Yeah, you need well, to see them in you, a line. You can just, you can just, yeah, go like go. You can go overall, and then you can go boy girl. I can't. No, but there was not enough screen time. From what you've like seen, Lily. <laughs> From what you've seen. <laughs> Look, in season six, I can tell you there's a lot of hotties. There's like, dang, like I fell in love a couple of times. Dang, season in, six is where we should be at. Is, season so, six has got Shanice and Luke. Tea in it. Oh yes, I love their TikTok yeah. content. Me too. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what about Scott? Yay or nay? Um, Scott, nay. What if you had to, yay or nay? Is it a nay? If you had to, it's a nay. It's a nay. If you had, I mean, if you have to, then you can't say nay. No, but if you had to say yes or no, like, would you? Yeah, it would be like. What was the, how did the boys frame it? They were like, you know, I, if I met him down at the pub, yes, it would be a yes, but like wouldn't wouldn't take home to mum and dad. Oh, yeah, how Adam said, like you wouldn't take the stripper yeah. home to mum and dad. You, yeah. you would bang. Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't take him home, you know. Yeah. Right. And what about, and what about Alex? Because he also got some screen time. Hang on. So Alex is the guy. Are you guy, googling them? Alex is the guy who is yeah. attached to <laughs> Olivia, who was always also trapped in the room like a caged animal. And Alex looks like Hitler Youth, but no, he's fine. very attractive. <laughs> Not at all my type, generally, but yeah, very attractive eyes. Agreed. Attractive around mm-hmm. the eye mm-hmm. area. Agreed. Yeah. The eye area. <laughs> the eye. You got a good, good eye area. <laughs> All right. 
I also, one moment that was interesting as well was Olivia talking to Liana. That was incredible. Uh, remind us. Oh, yes. When they tried to make peace. She went, yes, it was a very powerful Olive Branch. Like, <laughs> you know, she totally won. She won that one. Who won, Olivia? <laughs> but um, Olivia, yeah. Was what did you make of that interaction? <clears throat> Um, it was an inter- It was definitely a power move. I think, mm. like it was an interesting, like little, like play between them. And um, Liana was obviously quite uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but made, I, I also think that it's quite possible that Olivia was very genuine about it. Or, mm. well, she said. She said other things when she was talking to other people about her insecurity and stuff. But, mm. And she seemed to be presenting this where equal rivals, you know, you're free to be here, mm. that's okay with me. And that, that actually unsettled Liana more than anything, it seemed. Right, 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 as opposed to the warring, warring sides. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, because Olivia knew that she'd already won, it wasn't it, it wasn't really as equal as all that. I don't think she knew she'd already won. Ah, mm. Or is this before the before? No, this is after Alex has already spent the night downstairs. Yeah, yeah but remember when when Olivia said to yeah. Sophie in confidence, "Look, reassuring me is like reassuring a stone." Mm-hmm. <laughs> But she, she she won't believe it until she sees it. Mm, but I feel like that was humility, also. I I agree. Yeah. I like I liked her the most in that conversation when she said, "I don't, I just don't trust." What did she say? I don't trust. She people said, "Yeah, I don't, I don't trust, I don't, I don't trust people until I see it." Oh, something yeah. like that. And I I agree. What sort of trust is that then? Well, to be shown rather than words. Well, but that doesn't require the moment of trust, which is the moment before being shown. Right, right, because you always need proof, so the trust yeah. is sort of secondary. Proof obviates trust. Yes, yeah. but that's reasonable. But I'm he not saying did it's unreasonable, show, but it's not trust. He did show trustworthiness, didn't he? And I, yeah. I think I think it's interesting when Olivia and Liana are talking and it's very calm and it's very peaceful and very genial and... Olivia is sitting in a position of power there. She, it, it's very easy to be peaceful, but she took the complete opposite approach than Katie, right, who lost the plot and blew yeah. her lid. Mm. Well, I guess also Olivia got to live voyeuristically through Katie right. blowing and her how, lid. And she saw, okay, so if I lose mm. myself mm-hmm. in my emotions... It's not going to work. ...then everyone is going to turn against me and the world won't like me. This is what surveillance does to people's behaviour. Mm. Oh, I saw that everyone hated Katie for that. I guess I've got to. But it seems like Olivia has learnt that earlier in her life because she knows how to play it cool. Yeah, but I think also this one is not necessarily mm. mediated by like the form of surveillance. It's just like group dynamics. She saw Katie blow up. That's and- surveillance. Well, just being yeah. in the same room as her, that's not surveillance so much as being in a oh. social situation. Well, she surveilled Katie and she saw how she might not want to act herself. Sure, but I want to say that, like, 
I mean, okay, if you want to broaden the term surveillance to include just looking at your fellow person mm. if they're in the room with you. But um, I just mean more that like that's the way that um, the unconscious can operate, which is that she's satisfied for Katie to have the breakdown for her mm. and um, she, in a, in a mature way, in a much more mature way than Katie, manages to satisfy herself through that identification with Katie rather than having to act out herself. Right. Yeah. And so then she's, and then she can, she, you know, because she's already sort of expelled some of the tension through Katie, she can then um, hold it together much mm, better. Mm, mm, mm. It's like, yeah. it's like a game Again, whoever breaks first. Mm. Yeah. And then it's quite relaxing, isn't it? To watch if to be the soothing person. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, you could be just as, I mean, Olivia might've been just as seething, but it's really soporific to have somebody else in the room just losing it like that because mm. then you can sit back and be the mature one. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. She got lucky, but I think she also has like some inner calm. Olivia? Oh, definitely, yeah. Agree. She's, shown, yeah. she's shown a lot of maturity yeah. in a she lot of other chiller. situations. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute chiller. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a reason yeah. Katie broke first that, you know. Anything else before we yeah. say goodbye? No. But thanks for drawing me in. Oh. I, um, I think I may, I may keep watching. Oh. Well, we might join you, and we might have to watch some of season six. Some more absolutely, of season six now. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the next season we're going to watch is season th- like on the podcast is season three because Mike Thalassidis, um killed himself also. Um, and oh my god! Nobody I didn't realise season... there were. Sorry, go ahead. How many suicides? Two contestant suicides and one host. Oh shit! Mm. And one boyfriend of a contestant. Yes, correct. Yeah. Of Sophie Graydon, who you saw very briefly in this episode, season two, episode twenty-two. Um, Sophie was in it. Like, do you remember seeing Sophie, the real Sophie? Are you asking me? Do I, I remember yes. seeing her, yeah. Yeah, so um, about a year or two after being on the show in 2016, she committed suicide and then um, her boyfriend found her, her new boyfriend found her and then he committed suicide. So that's like a fourth affiliated suicide. Yeah, it's true. Mm. There's really four. Mm. And 32 or 38 overall reality TV suicides. In the world. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. So it the, makes sense that they've cleaned up. It's cleaned up. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 But it's not worse for it. I actually preferred it. Yeah, that's interesting mm. that you dislike the mess that was there before they mm. cleaned it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we watched a couple episodes of season six. I think I prefer the drama of season two. Mm. But I want to watch season six now and, mm. and be more comprehensive. Uh, all right, thank you, Lily, for thank you, Lily. joining us thank from you. from Paris. Um, Thanks for having and we'll, me. We'll check love in again. To Paris. <laughs> love from Paris. See you okay. Guys. Bye. 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 You're a rich girl and you're gone too far because you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money.
That was fun. That was good. Mm. Um, some smart friends of the pod. We do. Whose friends are smartest? We have the same friends. It's true. They're all. <laughs> I still want to turn it into a competition. Do you want to win? I'll let you. Really? Mm. Can I have a certificate? Yeah, I'll make you one. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Right, bye. Get you too far, get you too far